worship team for worshiping. First and foremost, I saw that in you so that we could join in. Um, one of the young adults asked me, we just got back from a young adult uh, retreat at the Fierstein Cabin last night, and we're like, what, what, what made you fall in love with Jesus, with Jamie, with Jesus? And I think one of the one, one of the ways was uh, when he leads worship. I think I fell in love with him when I watched him lead worship week after week because I could sense um, God's spirit, and I saw that. So, yeah, he's a good worship leader. He's, uh, it's one of his gifts. So thank you for sharing it with us. Because uh, I experience God when he when he leads. All right, so this morning we have been talking. If you haven't been here, I haven't been here. So I'm like, well, we'll just, we'll just trust God that I say something new. Um, we've been talking about the gifts, spiritual gifts. My family's been hit. We were hit, so um, hit with whatever the gunk was. We're talking about spiritual gifts. I'm excited. It's been something I've been wanting to talk about. So I actually asked, can we talk about this? I want to talk about this. And uh, then I wasn't here. So I was like, oops. Um, I have a passage I want to share with you guys. But first of all, I, I want to pray. So for me and for you. Um, living God. Gracious and kind. Slow to anger God. Who gave us Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We make space for you right now. We ask that you would speak to us. I ask that you would use me for whatever you see fit. Jesus, my heart so wants each person in this room to meet with you and hear with you today. And I pray that you would answer this request. In Jesus' kind name, Amen. Amen. Will you read the text with me as Simon puts it up there? We are reading today in 1 Corinthians 12. And um, we are reading from my favorite translation. So you might not have it, so it is up here. And I'm going to read it from my Bible here, and if you would read along with me. What I want to talk about now is the various ways God's Spirit it's worked into our lives. This is complex and often misunderstood, but I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. Remember how you were when you didn't know God? Led from one phony God to another, never knowing what you were doing, just doing it because everybody else did? It's different in this life. God wants you to use our intelligence to seek to understand as well as we can. For instance, by using your heads. You know perfectly well that the Spirit of God would never prompt anyone to say, Jesus, be damned. Nor would anyone be inclined to say, Jesus is master, without the insight of the Holy Spirit. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere. But they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere. But God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. 
The variety is wonderful. Wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these gifts have a common origin, but are handed out by one one by one, by the one Spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing gets worked by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one Spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots. But then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink the old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free are no longer useful we need something larger more complex and that's where i'm going to stop so today we're going to unpack this together Um, first of all if you don't know the book of corinthians was written to the people of corinth Um, paul was apostle he went to them he spent 18 months with these people he shared christ and a larger group of people say yeah i'm gonna I, i choose to follow that and he, he spent time with the church training. He appoints pastors and leaders and hospitality. And then he left. And he was gone. And he was hearing reports, like of the people in Corinth. So the people of Corinth were known for being uh, sexually immoral and for hard drinking, like hard, hard drinking, and for being a divisive group of people. And as we all know, like when you simply invite Jesus into your heart, if you were a hard drinker, it doesn't necessarily mean you aren't still a hard drinker. If you were sexually promiscuous, it doesn't necessarily mean all of a sudden you're not whatever. So, um, so Paul received a letter saying that the people in, in Corinth had degenerated. It was like not a good thing. So he writes them these letters. And in this letter is the passage on the spiritual gifts, which I have spent a lot of time pondering and praying and reading other portions of Scripture. So that's the people of Corinth. That's who this letter was for. So why, why do I want to talk about spiritual gifts? Why? Why? Why am I like, I want to talk about this. Um, I grew up in a church where we didn't, we didn't talk about the spiritual gifts, like, at all, and we didn't operate in them. Like, we didn't operate so far as to say, my pastor told me that speaking in tongues was from the devil. So I am four square, but sometimes I don't always know what that looks like. Do you know what I mean? Like the gifts in the church. Like I don't have an imagination. I didn't grow up. I didn't see like this is what it actually looks like. So I wanted to study for myself. What can this look like? What is this supposed to look like? I'm not even, I'm not sure. And so I wanted to do that. And I've talked with like, I've heard like 20 year olds say to me, I don't even know what my gifts are. I have no clue what my gifts are. And I think even some of us who might be like, well, this is my gift. But as I read scripture, God's like, yeah, that's your gift, but I want you to have more. So you might be like, yeah, done there, been there, done that. These are my gifts. But 
that's not actually the intent. The intent is that your whole, that your gifts would grow, that you would have more gifts. So I I want to talk about it. I want us to operate more in the gifts, and I wanted you to know that I don't always know what that means. It's supposed to look like. So I have felt over the years sometimes people are slightly disappointed that Jamie and I don't operate more, and. Um, I think maybe it'll look different here, but also it's because I didn't know. I don't know. So I want to be open to being like, God, what do you have for us here? And to grow in that. So here's an opportunity for us to grow together. I first want to look together, so let's go to the text, and I think it's up there. And we're going to read this first chunk together. So it says, God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power and action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on the benefits. Everyone. All kinds of things are handed out by the spirit to all kinds of people. So from this, we see that these gifts are from the Holy Spirit. They're not like Jamie and I being like, I'd really love you to pray for people and be healed of miracles, and I really want you, or like Kelly's my small group leader, and she's like, for our group, I would like you to be the person that does X, Y, and Z. It has nothing, it's, it's God. Like, it's not really has much to do with us. God's the one that picks them out. And something else I want you to hear, and I think it's something we don't believe, is that for everybody, everybody, all of you, like not just me, not just Jamie, not just missionaries, but for everybody. You all have a gift, even if you don't know what it is. And God wants to give you more gifts. He wants you to operate in more than you are now. They're for each of you. Um, what I'm reminded of in this text is, I love it because I was like, this is not the way the world works. The world works that if you are somebody, if you have a title, if you have money, if you are whatever. But God reminded me over and over, his system is not that way. It doesn't matter if you're a woman. You can have all the gifts. Even prophecy and speaking. It doesn't matter if you don't have any money. It doesn't matter if you grew up in a mobile home or if you grew up on a resort. God gives out his gifts to both. Casey and I just heard a, a pastor share his speak and do training up in Coeur d'Alene and he is amazingly anointed he grew up being sexually abused by his uncle over and over and over again his entire childhood God does not care that's not how the gifts are handed out and I was thinking about this God even gives hand not even God gives his gifts out to anyone who is willing. God gives his gifts out to high schoolers. When I was in high school, I started reading my Bible and spending so much time in God's word. And people would say to me, you're so wise. You're so wise. It wasn't me. It was a gift that God gave to me because I faithfully spent time in his word. It really doesn't matter. He gives them to everybody. And I want, I want you to hear that because it's like said three times. And when something's like, Please get this in your head. It's for all of us. Um, the next portion I want us to look at, if you put it up here, is, um, let's see, 
Thanks. So here's the next part. The variety is wonderful. Wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. All right, here we go. So um, this is a list. In the New Testament, there are... There's another list at the end of this passage. And... Um, we don't see them in the church as like, this is all the gifts and you can't have any others. We kind of see it as like, this is Paul writing a list and these are the ones coming to his head. Because they're different in all the different, um, in the different passages. When you, when you read them, there's like one set that reads these gifts. And then you read another passage a little bit later and there'll be different gifts. Um, some people explain it as there are gifts of like action and there are gifts of like a role like your role of speaking or teaching. But the gifts are different, and they kind of overlap. And I do believe there are gifts that aren't in any of the places. That's, that's how I was taught, and that's how I see it. So wise counsel. Wise counsel is a gift that God gives to people um, where they're wise, not because they came from a wise family, not because they have a Ph.D., but because they spend time praying and listening to God and he gives them wisdom. They understand things. You can see things that other people don't see. Clear understanding. I see clear understanding as um, you see the way God sees things. In this world, um, you can see things that are hard to understand, but God allows you to see them differently. Uh, Simple trust. I like this. It's a different way of saying faith. Um, I have heard people, some of my friends, I know some of you have this gift, and I've heard them say, I I have simple faith. And um, they're like, I'm not simple. I'm like, I know you're not simple, but I have a simple faith. That's a gift that God gives that I don't think I always have, because one of my favorite quotes is, I believe with all kind of doubts. (laughs) And um, it's, it's a gift. And I was thinking about it, I was like, Simple trust is hope. And what more does our world need? Hope. Don't give up. You matter. Simple trust is a gift of hope. If you have this gift, I encourage you to tell people. So in January, I was feeling a wee bit hopeless. And Sherry says to me, I'm believing for you. She gave me the gift of simple trust. And I thought, thank you. I am not believing this right now. Tell people. Tell people, I have this. I will believe for you. I've got this for you. Um, it, it kept me going. It's like, okay, I don't have it, but you do. That's enough. That's enough for the two of us. Tell people when you have this gift. Uh, healing the sick. I've asked for this gift. Like, have you asked for this gift? I'm like, you said it's a gift. I want this gift. I don't have this gift. Not yet. Maybe someday. But it's where you actually pray for somebody and they're healed. I, I've never, I've never experienced. I know that Jamie has prayed on more than one occasion here. And he'll come home, I think, with Jeff. They've prayed a couple times for people. And they're healed. 
And this is the thing I don't get about God. So sometimes we'll have people come, visitors, and they come, and they'll have something, and these guys have prayed for them, and they're healed. I was like, God, wouldn't it make more sense to heal people that come back all the time or people who are part of our group? Like, I don't get it. Why do you heal people that only come in the door once or twice? I'm like, once again, God's ways are not my ways. But um, it's cool. But in my heart, I'm so human. I'm like, God, why don't you give me that gift? I want that gift. I pray. I don't know. There's a humanity there for you. Miraculous acts. I think that's when you pray for things in our culture like money. And it actually happens. And there's no other reason for it except for it was miraculous. Or things to move forward in a way. Or things to move for you that aren't supposed to be. And they actually happen. Um, That's miraculous acts. Proclamation. I believe it's when you can speak things and people can hear it. You can proclaim the truth, and, other, and it, it makes sense to people. I think that's a gift. Distinguishing between spirits. Um, that's when someone tells you a lie, and the Holy Spirit inside you. And it's not, not necessarily intuition, but the Holy Spirit goes, uh-uh. Nope. Like, I think I have this one. Or like, what about this person? Like, nope. Mm-mm. So, and I know others of you. We have a council member that has this gift. She's not here. But um, we have people come in, and they give a really good story. It was a really good story. And this person's like, mm-mm, nope. And people in this church gave this person money, and it was a total scam. Let's trust the people that God has put in here. When We're not saying no because we're mean. We're saying no because there's a check in our spirit. It's like, that's not right. That person's not telling you the truth because God put it in there. I think it's different than intuition. I was thinking about it. All right, Tongues. So I grew up in a church that said the tongues was from the, from the devil. But I really don't see that from Scripture <laughs> at all. So I fought tongues. I fought tongues. I fought it hard. I want to say something about tongues. Um, Paul says, I want you all to speak in tongues. Not very many Christians speak in tongues. So this is how it is for me. I, when I'm praying or if I'm worshiping, sometimes I start speaking in tongues, and I'm still surprised I'm like, oh my gosh, still, I'm speaking in tongues. Like, it still surprises me. Um, I guess because, you know, you can't do it on your own. There's no other way to do it. You totally are experiencing God. So when I speak in tongues, um, I'm still usually surprised. I fought it. I was like, people were praying for me. To receive. I wouldn't open my mouth. If you don't open your mouth, you can't speak in tongues. I'll just let you know. Um, I remember fighting it. And I think this is how I remember the story, but I'm actually getting a little old. The way I remember this story is I was with a group of 16-year-olds who all grew up in churches that said, you don't, we, we, actually, we didn't even know what it was. We had no clue what it was. So we were hungry for God. We were, we were actually desperate for God. Um, and we got together, and we were praying, and we were from Nazarene, Baptist, and Alliance churches. I think that covered it. And we started, like, having words for each other, like, oh, my God. I have something I'm supposed to tell you, and I know it's from God. And I started speaking in tongues. Didn't know what it was. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even know. So I came to my pastor, and I'm like, I'm speaking in tongues. He's like, you have to stop that right now. That's from the devil. And I was like, no, I know it wasn't. I know it was from God. And so that's that's my story. That's my story. Um, It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal to speak in tongues. It's what you're doing is you are praying 
to God. Sometimes when I don't know what to pray, which is for me actually a lot, you just start speaking in tongues, and the Holy Spirit's praying for you. Um, sometimes it surprises me. We were having like a kind of a contemplative moment with the young adults, and I start speaking in tongues in my head. So you don't always know. You don't always know when you will. Don't be scared, or be scared, but open your mouth and be willing. So this is something also, interpretation of tongues. I will tell you what I read in the scripture, but I have very little experience in this. So interpretation of the tongues, the way I see it, and I have seen it a few times in churches that I consider to be healthy, is someone actually stands up and speaks in a tongue, and then it needs to be another person in the church, I've seen this, stands up and says, this is what God said. Um, that's how it's supposed to be. If someone, I read from other, if someone speaks up and speaks in a tongue and nobody has an interpretation, you're just supposed to keep moving on. You don't stop. You don't make a big deal about it. You just keep moving on. And the reason is because Paul says it wastes time. Like, you might as well use real words. You might as well use things that make sense and not waste people's time. So move on. I was thinking about this. Um, something you do see sometimes in this church is people will have, like, a word from God. It's similar um, but different because you won't understand it unless somebody interprets it. But the way that works, if you're ever wondering how we do that, is if somebody in this congregation, um, the way I do it often, I'll be, God, do you have anything for us today? Here I am if you want to say something to me. And that's how I do it. And there are people in here who ha- will come to Jamie or myself and say, I have a word for the church today. If it's someone who we have experience with and we have built trust, we say, there's the mic. Go for it. If you've never done it before and you come to us, we'll say, what do you want to say? Right? Because there has to be accountability. What do you want to say? And sometimes people who even have done this numerous times will be like, this is what I want to say because I think they're not, they're not 100% certain, right? It's, it's, they're like, I think this is for today. A lot of times when I'm sitting down and worshiping, I will get a, somebody's supposed to say something today. God, is it me? Nope. I don't know, it's not free. I'm like, okay, well, wait. And usually, actually almost every time, someone will stand up and be like, this is the word. And I'll be like, oh, good. So it's like a confirmation. It's not just like if you ever wondered, how do they do that? And why do they give those people the mic? So, but I encourage you, be willing. Be someone new. It doesn't have to just be Eliza, Angie. It doesn't have to be the same. And it can be guys. It doesn't just have to be women. In this church, sometimes it's the women who do those roles. It's not just us. Just like in most churches where it's just men that speak, it actually doesn't have to be just men. So it goes both ways. Um, That was super practical, but I wanted to walk through it. And I wanted you to know, if you haven't had a word before and you feel like you do, you got to check it. And don't be hurt if we say, or offended, or like, and we'll just stop there. Um, and be like, she didn't, she wouldn't share what I had to say. Um, maybe it wasn't for today. Maybe I need to read over it, or Jamie needs to read over it and pray over it first. So um, it's a learning thing. So I wanted to say, if we have someone in this gift, in this congregation, who has the gift to speak in tongues, um, oh, I should have really talked about this with my husband, because he's in charge. Um, if you practice it, and we will wait. And if there is not an interpretation, that's okay. 
I've never operated in the interpretation of tongues, and I have no clue if it's my gift. I have no clue if it's any of your gifts. And it's okay. We'll give each other grace to try to move on. So, all right, let's look at the next, let's look at the next part of our text here. Doesn't my husband come up with the weirdest, weirdest pictures? Unicorns? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. We love you, but your brain is a little different sometimes. <laughs> okay, so the next part of the text is all these gifts have a common origin, ooh, but are handed out one by one by one Spirit of God. I like this. He decides who gets what and when. Because I've asked for the gift of healing, but I still don't have it yet. He decides what and when. I wanted to share this story with you. So my sister called me recently. You know where we were, how we were raised. So she called me recently, and she's like kind of almost whispering. She's like, I have something to tell you. I'm like, okay. She's like, so I felt a nudge to pray for my da- her daughter Avery. I felt like I was supposed to lay hands on her tummy and pray for her. She's had tummy issues like ever since she was a kid. Lots of pain, crying, headaches. And she's like, I felt like I was supposed to pray for her. I'm like, okay. She goes, I did. I prayed for her that night. And she's healed. Like, you know, like almost whispering because you like can't believe it's actually real because you grew up where you were told it doesn't really happen. She's like, she's healed. I go, wow. She goes, yeah. And then you know what? I'm like, what? Tell me more. She goes, so I went to church. She's like, I've been praying for people and they're getting healed. They go to a church also that doesn't like do that whole thing. And um, she's like, really? They are. I've had people getting healed. I was like, dude, God, I've been asking for that gift forever. And I'm like, awesome. That's so sweet. And so, but when we were with her this summer, I'm like, pray for me. Pray for me. Put your hands on me. Like, pray for me. I, I want, so um, I have not known very many people that have the gift of healing, but let's ask for it. God gives it to people, even if they kind of don't believe it. Oh, this was the point I wanted to say. If God gives you a nudge, if God gives you a nudge, do it. Be brave enough to try it. She had to put her hands on her daughter's belly. What if she just said, no, I don't believe that. I haven't seen that happen before. That won't happen. What if she didn't pray? What if I stopped praying and someday God's going to give me that gift? Um, What if she said no? But you see what happened when she said yes? Then she came to her church community, and she's praying for people, and they're being healed. If you have a nudge for any of these gifts, you can say no. You can be like, "Mm, I'm I'm not brave enough. I'm not whatever enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not the past. Well, I don't care what your excuse is, but if you don't follow the nudge, it's the Holy Spirit, if you're wondering, if you don't follow the nudge, you won't know. You won't know. And look, people in her church are being healed. It's exciting. Super exciting. Ah, Let's move on to the next. Oh, let's see how we are in time. I knew I was going to run out of time. I had way too much time at home being sick. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your body. So if you're a church person, so now Paul goes on to explain how it works. And he uses the picture of the body. If you're a church person, you might have heard the body story one too many times. So kind of like, I've heard this, been there, done that. I was thinking about like, why do we use this analogy so much? I think because it makes sense. 
So a lot of like the parables in the New Testament, we have to like imagine ourselves in the text. We have to study the background because it wasn't written for us before it makes any sense at all. And then sometimes in the translation, by the time it gets to modern day, we're like, I think I know what that parable meant, or I'm pretty sure I know how this relates to me. But the body's still applicable. It still it still applies. And here's the idea: the idea is that this group here is a body. And we all have a part. And we all matter. And I think we don't believe it. But if your part isn't operating, this place hurts. And I see it as a pastor, and I don't know if you believe it, but it actually hurts this body when you're not being who you were made to be. We are more alive. We are more full of joy. We want to actually be here when we're doing what we're called to do. Um, when we're not, I don't think people get as excited about going to church when they're not doing what they're called to do. Um, that's my, my opinion. But I think we use the body because it works. And I think Paul was telling the Corinthians, you've got it wrong. He's saying, you think the important people are the people that talk. That's what the Corinthians are. I'm like, oh. Well, I'm like, at first, at first I thought, well, we're not really like that. I actually thought that. I'm like, we're not really like that. Or the people that are like, you know, um, in our denomination, the people that matter are the people that have a church of 5,000. It's a sin of our denomination. And it's something we platform. Churches of about 5,000 or more. It's who we put up there. And it's a real thing I've heard from, because, okay, you know what the average size of, of a four-square church is? A hundred. A hundred people. That's what we are when we're all together. And um, I, I realized this one time I was at a workshop, and they, they planned this whole workshop for pastors to do this discipleship program. And the guy who spoke was from a church of like 10,000 people. And, he, and so he was there. And then there was another guy that was there for the churches of 300. Isn't it weird how the gaps go? 300. And he was there to talk about how you could do this in a church of 300. And then there was the guy there from the church of, in Clarkston. Great guy. Like, same size as us. So, and he's like, well, we're going to give the people the most time to talk. So, who here comes from a church of, you know, five to 10,000? There was like, one hand in the room. I was like, oh. I thought everybody else had churches that big because that's the only people I see up on stage. And then he's like, okay, okay. Who comes from a church of 300? And there's like... A few hands, three, four. The room's like 50 people. Who comes in a church of like 100 or less? And all the, all, I'm like, oh, hmm. I'm not alone. I feel alone sometimes in four square. It's something I have to battle. Like, clearly I'm a nobody because I don't have a church of 5,000. I don't even, I don't know. That was real, sorry. Um, but it's still a thing. The body, whoever's up front, who's ever, they're the most important. So it's still a thing. So this is another way that you can look at this that is not like I've been in church for 20 years and I'm tired of this analogy. So see if this works for you. I, Casey and I had this training, and it's, it was really great. He described the church as ships. There's two ships. There's a battleship. And something I hope to go on someday, a cruise ship. 
This is his analogy that I'm like, oh, it matches perfectly the body. So on a cruise ship, he says that this is the way the church operates. He says this is the way we want the church to operate. He says this is the way we have been treating the church. He says, we'll see if you agree, challenge me, this is the way the church was meant to look. So on a cruise ship, this is what it's about. There are a very few staff, and they wait on everybody else. He's like, that's what the church wants, a few staff, and we'll wait on everybody else. You're like, no, I'm not that. That's why I'm here. All right. (laughs) And on a battleship, he says that everyone has a job. Everyone has a skill. And they all matter, or you will not be uh, afloat when the battle comes. Everyone has a skill. And I would like to say a gift. And a little bit of excitement. I've never used an easel before. I think we need a new one. Thanks. You're fast. Ah, you're a good friend. Okay. All right. Really gentle. On a cruise ship, you can tell me. You have a gift. You're also a good speaker. I really enjoy listening to Audrey speak. Yeah. Um, on a cruise ship, this is what I'm told. It's about pleasure. It's about being entertained. Good speaker, good music. On a battleship, this is what... Is this distracting my really awesome learning lesson? It's about purpose. It's about a purpose. We're not here to be entertained. We are here to worship the living God, and we are here to set captives free. That is what, well, we don't do it. Through Jesus, people are set free. That's what we're about. Um, On cruise ships, people gain weight. It's soft. All your needs. Have you heard this? You had to have. I've never been on one, but people are like, I gained 10 pounds. That was the best experience of my life. It scares me. I'm like, why would you pay money to do that? But people gained 10 to 15 pounds. He had just been on a cruise. He's like, I gained 15 pounds and walked 20,000 miles a day. That's a lot of food. That's a lot of food. In the church, I don't think, I don't think this is popular, but we are called to be fit, and we are called to be disciplined. If you want to look like Christ... It actually takes discipline, and it actually takes a lot of hard work. Um, On a cruise ship, you are here, and this is okay. This is what cruise ships are for. That's cool. It's not what the church is for. You're here to serve yourself, right? It's your vacation. That's okay. Take a break. Self-care. I love self-care. Okay? Cruise ship, serve yourself. In this place, we sometimes think it's about serve me, but actually... I even get this mixed up. It's about, ser- like, even me, that's ridiculous. Serving others. Like, really? Often when I'm in the, getting ready for church in the morning, I'm praying for you guys. That's what I'm doing. Pray for this group before we even get here. God, what do you want for us? What would you want for us? May, may my smile, may my kindness be... Whatever. May I actually, I forget to pray with people in the moment. God, may I actually remember to pray with people in the moment. Um, it's, about, it's about other people, for all of us, whoever you are. It's not about us. The last one, um, 
On a cruise ship, it's about individuality. I can't spell. Shoot. Individual. It, and apparently I can't write. I should have been doctor. Individuality. It's about me. I was realizing, like, it's, it's not about, it's just about me. Like, you go on vacation, you might even be like, oh, that, cost, that, that couple was awesome. I enjoyed our chats or whatever. But in the end, it's an acquaintance. Church isn't about acquaintances. Church is about a team. I believe this, that becomes a family. It becomes family. It's not about individuality. And lastly, a cruise ship is about being full. Which is fine. Full of sights. Full of a back massage. Full of whatever. And on a battleship, us here, we're here for fulfillment. To do what we were created to do in the very beginning. To worship God and to serve him. Uh, This challenged me in my thinking I think I've gotten a little skewed. I believe this is what we actually really want at our heart. But sometimes I forget. And I think I would prefer to be a part of this. This sounds nice, but this is for vacation. This isn't for church. (laughs) Ah. So there it is, if you can read my writing. Something to think about. Different picture of the body. Same story. different, Different way. Um... So today, in closing, something I want you to think about. Why the gifts? Why? Um, Something I know from experience, I want you to hear this. When you operate in the gifts that God has given you, you will experience God's power. I don't think we always experience a lot of God's power. But you will. Because you know that you could not do that without God. You know that you could not. And when you experience God's power, you remember that you are not alone. And when you experience God's power, you remember that God is actually, truly real. That's why. I believe that some of us are sometimes too tired to operate in our gifts that God has. I can't do that. I'm too tired. You're only hurting yourself. I have too much work. I'm not, I, I, even, I have done it. I can't, Jamie. I'm too tired. I don't say it to manipulate you, but you are missing out on being fully alive. Your priorities are off. If you are too busy to be a part of the community God has placed you in using your gifts. I believe that some of us are skeptical. I am a smart person, Heidi. I am educated, and I do not believe in tongues. I don't believe that God still does miracles. You can't make me believe it. I'm sorry. But he does. Try. Just try. And maybe you are like me. This is mine. Because I've been too scared to use my gift. Because my gift, I believe, is speaking. 
And I have been too scared because I was told women don't preach. And I hear it in my head. And God says, I don't care if you're a woman or a man, if you have money, if you don't have money. I don't care if you're a Jew or a Greek. If you're black, I don't care. That's not how I give out my gifts. I give out my gifts to the person. And he said to me, Heidi, I made you to speak. And I want you not to be afraid. Maybe you've been afraid. I had people telling me, Heidi, you can't be a pastor. Do you know how many times I've heard that? You can't do that. I spoke once in a group of thousands of people, and my teacher came up to me, my Bible teacher, and goes, you're good. You're really good. You could be the president, but you better not be a pastor. I'm not kidding. It sticks deep. Deep. I don't know what your gift is. And I actually don't even know why you're not operating in it because I'm learning in EHR. I can't mind read. So I can give you my reasons why I think you might not be, but the truth is I don't know. I have no clue why you don't. I don't know. But I want you to. I want you to. I want us to operate in our gifts. So um, we're going to take time. This is something we've been doing, and we've been praying together at the end of our services. I've been thinking about it because I wonder it's not something I've seen in churches where people at the end actually pray together but if you look in the Bible I don't see how you could see that we were supposed to do anything else we're taught a lot in Bible school not to make people uncomfortable it's a pretty big push like it's a pretty good you know you want people to come to your church I want people to come to the church I want more people I want people who have never experienced Jesus to come and to experience Jesus. But not at the expense that we won't pray together or do some things that might be uncomfortable. I don't want to stop praying together on our services. I want us to keep praying together. Um, I wanted to tell you something. For a long time, it used to make me kind of nervous to pray with people out loud, if this is you, like in a group. So this is how I did it. I would just imagine it's just me and God. Those other people kind of just disappear. And I would just pray as simply and as honestly as I could. That's what I want you to do. If you're that person who's like, <gasps> again, it's just you and God. And just talk to God as simply and honestly as you can. And I think we're going to continue to pray together. So today, as we pray together, could you show the last slide? I think we, we uh, can do that very last one. I think it's two more ahead. There. I wanted to share this with you. There's a guy praying. I saw it this week. I'm like, I want to share this with everybody. Have you felt that way? I felt that way. I don't really have words for art. Like, I love to sing, and I love words. But art moves me differently, and I don't have, like, words for the what I'm feeling. Like, Jamie's like, why do you want to share that? I'm like, 
I don't know, because it's awesome. Like, clearly everyone needs to see this. <laughs> I was like, and so I was thinking, why? I actually don't know. But when I saw it, I thought of you. I did. I thought of you, and I'm like, I want them to see this. I want them to see this, this man who's a beggar, who's a whatever, who God sees. I think I can tell by looking at him that he trusts. That's what I see, but it's art, so you can see whatever you want. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So we're going to take some time, and we're going to break into groups, and we're going to pray together. We're going to pray for the gifts. Can you put that list back up there? We're going to pray for each other to have these gifts, to operate in these gifts, to be brave enough to try it. And I'm going to ask you to pray with somebody you didn't come with today. So you have to get up and move around and pray with somebody you didn't come with. And we'll take a few minutes, and we're going to pray for each other, and we're going to see what happens. All right, and the young people are done. We'll give us three minutes. Or you can come join us. Sixth grade boys love to pray in groups.